When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Hello, MD Nation, and welcome back. We're here for week three, the preview for week three. It feels like we're speeding along the season already because we're getting already into it. It's beautiful, beautiful. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater of the MD's Fantasy Football Show, joined here with Chris Dowhauer. We're streaming live to you, as we always are, on social media, at MDFF Show, on our YouTube channel. Subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show whenever you get the chance. Check out our TikTok video. I'm making content for that almost every other day now. And we'll be back on tonight from 6 to 7.30 on the Unhinged Radio Network, unhingedsn.airtime.pro. If you're just joining the show, what we're going to be doing today is going over the Thursday night preview along with all the early Sunday afternoon games. Cannot, cannot wait to get into it. We had a good week, too. Better week two in the ECR expert consensus rankings, which you can catch me on Fantasy Pros or just check out the rankings on BillyUpFantasySports.com. Chris, how are you doing today? How was your fantasy week? Uh, my fantasy week was kind of strange last week. Like I'm sure a lot of people had week two is definitely the opposite of week one in so many different ways. So I'm really excited for week three because maybe some clarification where these teams really stand. So right now it's all over the place. <laughs> we actually have some breaking news, not from a football standpoint, but for the show. Breaking news. 
So here's the deal. This is not my day job, believe it or not. And my day job is changing. Therefore, the schedule of this show has to change. And you know, it's been this way for a very long time now. Don't fear. We're not going anywhere. But instead of being during the day here and there, we are going to be simply Monday through Friday at night, typically from 930. We haven't worked out exactly what time every single day yet, but it'll typically between 9 and 930 at night that we will go live for the most part. But all the shows will still be there. All of our the recap show, the waiver wire report, the Thursday night preview, the late Sunday uh, primetime game previews, and of course, the MD's DFS contest, which used to be on Saturday nights and will still be on Saturday nights for the next two weeks. It will be now changing to Friday night. So you're still getting all the same content, still getting it at all the same location at Belly Up MDFF show on social media, on YouTube, but just on different times. And we'll make sure you're following us along. We'll keep you up to date exactly when we're going to be going live on that. But very excited for that new schedule. I think will give us some more consistency and more viewership throughout and during the week. And of course, we'll always be available to you guys on the weekends on social media if you have any fantasy needs whatsoever. So that's what's going on with the show. More changes to come. We'll let you guys know. Here's what's uh, this. The show news is more exciting than the game tonight. uh, Plain and simple. I mean, talk about a game where you need you need bets. You need fantasy players to care about this game. I know there's Carolina fans and there's Houston fans out there, but let's be real. Are you really that excited about this game? This Thursday night matchup? They, they really should be able to flex these primetime games out. I don't know who thought it'd be a good idea to put Houston on primetime this year, but they are. All right, Chris, when you look at Carolina, because we'll get to Houston, that's going to take like two seconds, the preview. Uh, when you look at Carolina, anything outside of Christian McCaffrey you're interested in this week? I think DJ Moore could be a decent play. Um, I'm really with If anybody's trying to get you know, brazen and play Terrence Marshall, I would definitely go against that. One of the things you've seen so far the Texans do really well is they do have a good slot corner in King Desmond King. Um, he's been one of the more shut down slot corners. So I wouldn't get cute with Terrence Marshall or my lineup, but I would take the chance and definitely would make it roll out DJ Moore. Expect him to continue to be moved all around in the offense. Expect him to continue to be the focal point of the passing game other than Patricia McCaffrey. So that's pretty much the only guy I'm read, I would look to target this week outside of Christian McCaffrey on the Carolina side. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I mean, Sam Darnold, he's QB 21 for me, and I know he's been performing well, and this is a good matchup, so you talk about him in the streaming territory. I'm not going to argue too hard against that idea, other than it's not bye week, so I feel like you should have better options. But two, McCaffrey might just dominate this game to the point where Carolina doesn't have to do much through the air, and that's what I'd be a little bit concerned about when it comes to wanting to stream a Sam Darnold. DJ Moore is my wide receiver 21, so I'm with you on that. Robbie Anderson is my wide receiver 45, so I'm not playing him. However, if you have Robbie Anderson, this is the game where you hope he gets a bomb or two and you sell, 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 sell. I feel like the last three weeks in a row I've been talking about you need to get rid of Robbie Anderson as soon as the opportunity presents itself. As Terrace Marshall gets himself more involved into this offense, that's going to take away targets from not DJ Moore, but from Robbie Anderson. Anderson is not involved enough to be consistent. He's not involved enough to give you back the return on your investment of where you drafted him. Hopefully, if you've been part of MD Nation for a while, you knew that we were anti-Robbie Anderson going into the season. You didn't take him at all. But if you did, this is a game where you're hoping for a bomb or two. And the second that happens, look to package him with the player, look to sell him off as soon as you get the opportunity. Yeah, well, I didn't talk about Robbie Anderson. There's a good chance that could happen. Texans will be out with their key safeties in John Reed. He's been going to be out for the next couple of games. 
So he's been really on a roll. He's got two interceptions. He's caused a fumble. So that'll be a big loss for the Texans defense. So there is a chance that he can get you, you can get deep versus team. On the Houston side of the ball. Oh, by the way, start the Carolina Panthers defense too. Oh uh, yeah, 100%. On the, because on the Houston side of the ball, Davis Mills, the scrubby, scrub, 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 scrub of Davis Mills is going to be starting and not just this week, by the way. I mean, Tyrod Taylor on the IR. It's a short-term IR, but you got to figure at least for the next month, Davis Mills is going to be starting quarterback. Because he's a rookie, I wouldn't put it past the Texans to just stay with him all year. Although, here's what I will say. David Culley definitely has love for Tyrod Taylor, so I think that might be the one thing that saves him when he comes back. But Davis, <laughs> you want to play every defense that's going to be playing against the Houston Texans from here on out. So I guess the question is this. Do you think Davis Mills can still get the ball to Brandon Cooks, which is the only fantasy-relevant player that you care about? He can still get him the ball. I mean, he was targeted nine times last week when Mills came in. But the key concern was they were all really within five to seven yards of the line of scrimmage. So you're going to kind of see a huge downgrade in Brandon Cooks' ability to get down the field. You might see PPR purposes. He's still going to be really valuable. But in standard and half-point PPR, you might look to kind of look a different direction because Brandon Cooks is going to kind of have the big games probably that you're hoping for. Yeah, I mean, you're you're praying for volume. You're praying for game flow. And you're hoping Brandon Cooks is able to use his ability to break one once in a while. I mean, that's as far as, you know, what we're looking at for Davis Mills going forward. This game, I have Brandon Cooks half-point PPR ranked at wide receiver 26. I think you can still play him as a high-end wide receiver three. Again, the volume is going to be there. They're going to have to come back from behind. So I think he has a safe floor. But I'm with you. The last two weeks, he's looked like a mid-level to high-end wide receiver two. And I don't know if he gets down the field as much as he was with Tyrod Taylor as a result of that. So that's something to look at. As far as the running backs go, obviously, we're still not touching anybody. David Johnson is the one who has the game script proof because Houston's always going to be coming back from behind. But there's still no value there. He has no explosiveness left. And it's just you're you're hoping for, what, seven dump-offs to get any kind of value out of him whatsoever. So Houston, Brandon Cooks, and you have to lower your expectations on him a little bit, but you can still play him in your lineups. Outside of that, I ain't touching anything with 10-foot pole, but I'm loving every single defense who plays against them this year, uh, especially until Tyrod gets back. So what we're going to do right now is I want to take a quick break. I want to get a word in from our sponsor. We got the rest of the early Sunday new early Sunday afternoon window to get into. So everybody stay tuned on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be right back after this. The NFL is back in action, and so is winning season at MyBookie. With over $500,000 in contest prize money, winning season makes the big games better and the victories even sweeter. Head to MyBookie.ag and choose from a variety of boost contests and promotions up for grabs, highlighted by the crown jewel of winning season, the famed MyBookie Super Contest. And it only costs $10 to enter. Pick five games against the spread each week. Each win earns you a point, and each point gets you closer to the grand prize. If you missed out on week one, don't even sweat it because entries are still open and all it takes is one solid week to get you back in the mix. Don't just take my word for it. Join now and start your winning season with MyBookie today. In order to get you started, make your first deposit at MyBookie.ag and use promo code MDFANTASY to instantly receive double your deposit. That's double your money to double your winnings with your first ever deposit using promo code MDFANTASY. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Welcome back to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with Chris Dowhauer. 
We got the Thursday night preview out of the way. Didn't take very long. And now we have the rest of the early Sunday afternoon slate games to get into for today. Of course, we got a mailbag segment at the end of the show. If you ever want to get on the mailbag segment, all you got to do is check us out on social media at Show. Send in your questions. We'll pick out our favorite ones. But don't worry. If you ask a question and you don't get on the show, we are still going to get to you. We are still going to help you. That is what we're here to do. So make sure you're utilizing us as a tool. Uh, Chris, before we do get into it, I forgot to mention the betting lines of this game. Carolina right now, minus nine at even money. And the over-under is at 43. I'm probably going to stay away from the over-under. What do you think about Carolina at minus nine? That's probably where I'm going to place my bet. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a good number. After last week, a lot of the favorites didn't cover. It's going to kind of be interesting to see as that change back this week. I do think this game's going to be a little bit closer than people expect in some ways because I do think it's going to be a grinded-out game and kind of one of the uglier games you're going to get to see. Um, so I would kind of avoid this game if I could. If I were to bet on anything, I might actually bet on the under because I don't think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. Yeah, I'm going to place my money because it's even money that I'm getting at the minus nine. So that's why I'm going to go with Carolina. And they should be 10 or more point favorites, according to my book. But I will say this, the data suggests, especially after last week, to bet on the underdog home team to cover that spread. So that's where the data is showing you. But I don't think the data is reflecting the fact that Davis Mills is a starting quarterback. So that's where I go to put my bet on minus nine on Carolina at even Money. All right, so let's talk about our first game on the 1 o'clock window, Washington versus Buffalo. We'll start on the Washington side of the ball. So Taylor Hanicki proves against the Giants that he can at least get the ball to Terry McLaurin and can get the ball and can get the job done against a, you know, average to mediocre defense at best, let's say. Terry McLaurin, though, this week is going to be going up against Tredavious White. I have him at wide receiver 17 there is some reason for concern, but the vibe is going to continue to be there. Curtis Samuel is still going to be out. Diami Brown's been a nice player. These guys have been nice players, but Taylor Hanicki proving he only has eyes for McLaurin. Remember, he was matched up on Bradbury last week. He belongs near starting lineups. Just don't expect him to crack the top 12 this week. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you definitely can't be benching McLaurin this week, but it's not a week where you're looking for a blow-up. So we talked about this in previous shows. You might look for some upside in the rest of your lineup if you're going to be rolling them out there because you do have to kind of consider he's not going to have the you know, ceiling you're kind of hoping for possibly. And I also look at this, you know, you talked about the offense. I think you're looking at Logan Thomas is probably you know option two in the passing game right now, and I think that's somebody you might be able to roll out there. He didn't have a great game last week, but he continues to be somebody that you're going to fail. Your hand he's going to continue to look for his McLaurin and Logan Thomas, I think, moving forward for most of the season in the passing game. Well, Logan Thomas, especially in the red zone, I have him at tight end 13 heading into this week. It's not a great matchup, but there's consolidation in where the targets are going, especially right now. I will take this, the silver lining out of last week against the New York Giants for Taylor Hanicki is that he is a competent quarterback who can get the ball out to who you need him to get the ball out to for fantasy football purposes. So that's the silver lining moving forward. Chris, if Ryan Fitzpatrick does come back healthy at some point this season, do you think they'll go back to him? Do you think they'll stay there with Taylor? I think there's a good chance that you're going to see Fitz get one more shot at it. Um, I think that Henneke's been playing well, and he's been playing, you know, as the best we could have hoped for him in a lot of ways. But they did pay him a lot of money. They did bring Fitz to kind of be the starter. And if his team's kind of around the 500 mark, I wouldn't be surprised to look for the spark and kind of bring him in a game or two and see what kind of happens as a result. Yeah, I just think it's really interesting. I, I I think there's a good chance, though, Taylor just holds on to this job 
for the rest of the year, especially if he's able to play like the way he did last week, even in losses. And I don't expect him to win this game, but even in losses, if he could play well, I think it'd be interesting. He might be holding on to this job. We go to the running back situation for Washington. Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick didn't like what I saw last week for Antonio Gibson. This week against Buffalo, who looks like a better defense to me this year, especially thus far. But in general, they are playing downhill, playing tough line of scrimmage. Their defense line is now officially healthy. Matt Milano, as long as he is back there, he seems to be the key to that defense where you can't run on them. Tight ends can't do as well on them. And I have Antonio Gibson ranked at RB23. You can't bench him, but he's a low-end RB2 for me heading into this week. I think this could wind up being more of a J.D. McKissick game because we'll get to the Buffalo side in a minute is why I think that. I have J.D. McKissick at RB38. I think, it, and as in half point PPR and PPR leagues, he's inside my top 36. I think you can flex him this week if need be. But Chris, where are you at on this backfield of Washington? I think it's going to be really interesting. And one of the things that happened last week for Washington, uh, Washington was Gibson got banged up in the shoulder has shoulder issues you're concerned about is this going to kind of limit his productivity is this going to limit his involvement you did kind of see him phased out more and more as the game progressed last week um, so you know I'm kind of really interested to see will they continue to utilize him as the bell cow back because they kind of promised they would or is he going to be somebody who's going to be kind of limited because of the shoulder injury I expect him to have a decent game I don't think he's going to go crazy by stretch of the means but I think the way you can attack the bells is with the running game they have a good pass rush, but I still think you can attack the edges. I think Gibson has an ability to kind of get break a run here or there. So I kind of think he you know, definitely can't bench him. McKissick's going to be interesting because he said we had a game script. Um, you know, we kind of expect that the Bills are probably going to score points. This game also has a lot of chance to be ugly game as well. Um, so I think it will be kind of interesting to see how it unfolds. He's not somebody I'm going to be super eager to play outside PPR leagues, but a PPR leagues, I think he's a good flex option. Yeah, he's somebody, if you need to go to him, you can. And there might be some scenarios out there with some of the injuries at the running back position that you might need to. And he's just kind of an option there. Kind of, He's kind of he's along the same lines of a James White to me, in my mind. Those guys are the same things where you can flex them, especially in full-point PPR leagues, if need be. Uh, going to Buffalo, and why I think McKissick might be you know a flex play, is Josh Allen. He's been on my bus list the last two weeks in a row. I was right, by the way. But this week back inside my top 10. Now, I'm still not as high as ECR. ECR has him at QB5. I have him at QB7. But Washington's secondary has proven to be very vulnerable. Daniel Jones finished as a QB1 last week against this team. Part of it on the ground, but guess what? Josh Allen runs too. Now, I suspect perhaps Washington hopefully watched some film over the past 10 days and realized you don't have to bite on the read option every single time. Hopefully they're able to get that through their brains. But regardless, Josh Allen, I think, ha- actually has a chance to take advantage of a secondary that has been vulnerable, even though on paper you might not necessarily love the matchup. It's actually a better matchup than you think. Now, maybe Washington's pass rush gets going and nullifies that to some degree, but that's not what we've seen so far this season. They're playing their best team yet against Buffalo in Buffalo. I expect Josh Allen to bounce back and finally be that QB1 that you drafted him to be, at least inside that top 10. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a big game for Josh Allen. Uh, the legs thing is going to be a huge part to me. I think if he uses his legs, as you saw Daniel Jones have with 95 yards rushing, um, you know, if Allen's going to be running the ball, then he has a great floor and he has that top 10 upside. I have some concerns. We talked about this going into the season. Would we see repeat of Josh Allen last year or the Josh Allen we kind of thought we might see with you know, his accuracy issues? Just throw a number at you. He's only completed 33% of his passes from 10 to 25 yards right now going into the season. Yeah, right he's now, Josh Allen of old. 
Yeah, he's 56% of passing average. And the one thing I think is a huge number is really kind of odd for a lot of people. He's only averaging 5.3 yards per attempt. Um, this guy's usually known for his arm strength and pushing the ball down the field. They're dinking and dunking. So it's kind of interesting to see will that kind of limit his upside because if they're not pushing the ball down the field, he's not going to have the big numbers you're looking for. Um, and I think that it's going to be really a key thing kind of to see this week. So, yeah, you're, all, you're rolling out Josh Allen because the matchup isn't bad. You know, we talked about Washington football teams in their secondary hasn't really been what he expected to be. The pass rush hasn't really been there. But that is one thing that, you know, we see the Pittsburgh game. That is one thing Buffalo is susceptible to is a good pass rush. Um, it's really key for them to kind of be able to protect Josh Allen. And then I think the key thing for him, like I said, is using his legs. If he's using his legs and running the ball, he'll have a great floor and have an opportunity to have the top 10 finish. If not, it can get interesting and maybe start questioning Josh Allen this year. I think he did hit the nail on the head when he said they are not going down the field as much as they were last season. Do you think it has anything to do with maybe Stephon Diggs not being at 100% right now? Yeah, him and Gabriel Davis both aren't 100%. And you have kind of some older guys. Emmanuel Sanders is the other kind. And Cole Beasley, we know he's not going down the field. But I also think a big part of it is the protection. They seem to be going a lot more three and four receiver sets. Um, they're second to Arizona running those kinds of sets. And as a result, you're seeing them try to be more of a spread team and trying to get rid of the ball quickly, which in theory sounds good, except for if Josh Allen isn't going to be super accurate and you're not utilizing his arm strength, what's the purpose of having a quarterback like that in my book? So I think this is something that Brian Gable has to kind of go back to the drawing board. You've seen the running game be really effective. They probably could go play action, take some shots more down the field. They just don't seem to want to. Yeah, I think this is a big bounce back game for everybody involved because I have Stephon Diggs back at my wide receiver six this week. Again, you could take advantage of the secondary. I think you're going to see what we're talking about come to fruition where you start to see them go down the field a little bit in this game. And I just had to bounce back a little bit to what we expected and what we saw a season ago. We go to the running backs. I do have Devin Singletary at RB31, which means I do have him inside my top 36. I have him as an RB3. It was a flex option. I'm still not going to feel good about it. Washington's still kind of tough against the run. And, you know, they still have Zach Moss, who's back and you have to deal with. But Devin Singletary, even last week, is running as his team's top back. And by the way, looks pretty good. He looks pretty explosive to me right now. So I don't think you can write him off. You can use him as an RB3 in this matchup. Unfortunately, you know, they don't get a ton of targets to the running backs. It's hit or miss on when or if they are involved. So you do have some risks there for the floor. But Chris, what do you think about this backfield so far this season? It's been a bit surprising, no? I mean, I don't know if it is. I think Singletary... Is better the better athlete. He's been an opportunity. Zach Moss was an active week one. We kind of saw week two him to really take that role of kind of the inside the 10 back. He got the two touchdowns rushing. Um, even beside he had a fumble. And Devin Singletary had a fumble. I think that's the key for Singletary. If he can protect the ball, he'll continue to be out there and probably be their starter. If he starts having fumble issues, you can see him probably maybe get based more and more out of the game. But right now, like you talked about this week, I think he's a solid flex option. He's been big play. He has explosiveness. I mean, that's something we kind of expected out of college that he would be able to do. You're just concerned about the volume because it doesn't seem like this team wants to kind of establish the run despite being very successful doing so, despite his efficiency doing so. Um, but he is capable of the big play. So he's a guy that I think is a nice flex option. And definitely for DFS purposes, is a guy you might, might throw out there. Cole Beasley and Manuel Sanders are both wide receiver four, wide receiver fives to me because week one, it was the Cole Beasley show as far as the second receiver is Devon Diggs. And then in week two, it was the Manuel Sanders show, and that, that goes for targets. It goes for snap count. goes for everything. These two just flip-flopped on each other. Do I think there's some value to be had out of one of them? Yes. Do you know which one? 
No, absolutely not. Have absolutely no idea. So that's why they're both wide receiver four, wide receiver fives. I would try to look for better options. But that's why outside of Stephon Diggs, I'm still not looking to touch a Buffalo wide receiver until this whole thing shakes out. I think it will be Emmanuel Sanders. They paid him to be Emmanuel Sanders down the road. But after week one, Cole Beasley showing he's not exactly going away in this rotation either. Anything you're taking out of those two? Yeah, I'd probably lean just towards uh, Emmanuel Sanders for this week. I know that Shepard had a nice game versus Washington last week, but Kyle Fuller is one of their best corners that they have. He's primarily lining up in the slot this year, so it is somewhere that it should be on paper stronger. Um, so I would try to probably go for more with Sanders because I think you can attack outside of these receivers. You saw Darius Slate have a big play last week. You saw Gallaud, they have eight targets. So this is a team that you can attack on the outside. I think Sanders could have one of the better games versus Cole Beasley. This game, betting-wise, it's in Buffalo. They're minus 7.5 favorites. The over-under is 45.5. I'm probably going to stay away from the over-under because there's a wide wide range of outcomes in this game I could foresee. But 7.5, is Buffalo 7.5 points better than Washington at home right now? I don't think so. I, don't I, think so bet on you. I think this is going to be a way closer game than people are expecting. You talk about Tyler Hennigke being a solid quarterback. This team overall is a pretty solid team. They're not, you know, eye-popping, but they're going to stay in games. They're not going to get blown out from most games. So I expect this to be closer than that. And I wouldn't – I'd probably bet on the under for that because I think this is something that – I don't think the Bills right now are clearly that much better. No, agreed. I, I would bet on Washington plus 7.5 going into this game on the road. That would be my bet, and I would feel pretty good about that too. We move into Chicago and Cleveland, and Chris, I'm going to hit this. <laughs> Ole, ole, ole. Justin Fields, he's a starting quarterback. I don't care if it's by injury. One way or another, you have to tie Matt Nagy's hands somehow. Now I'm going to say this before we get into the fantasy analysis. Matt Nagy and his little PR team coming out and saying, hey, uh, when Andy Dalton's healthy, he's still the starting quarterback. Okay, here's the deal. And this is the message to the Bears ownership box because I can't trust Ryan Pace to do the right thing either. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. If Matt Nagy were to even think about putting Andy Dalton back in the starting lineup after Justin Fields is going to be the starter for at least a month because Andy Dalton's on the IR, he's out for at least a month with his, with his knee bone bruise injury. He has to be immediately fired. Immediately fired. I can't watch Adam Gase 2.0 ruin yet another young prospect. It can't happen. So Bears owner's box, I know you're totally listening to the MD Spinney's football show right now, but you guys have to fire him if he even thinks about benching Justin Fields for Andy Dalton when Andy Dalton is healthy. And I'm talking to you because Ryan Pace, you're just as dumb. I can't trust you to do it either. 
So now that I got that off my chest, Justin Fields, my QB 13 this week. Don't love the matchup, obviously, against Cleveland. But I expect Chicago to have to come back from behind. And it's fantasy football. He's a running quarterback who's going to run often. And I think because they'll be going into this entire week with the game plan that Justin Fields is a starting quarterback, I think you're going to see more read options. I think they're going to be a bit more effective because they're going to be going into with the game plan of running it against Cleveland here. What do you think about Justin Fields as a high-end QB2, definitely a streaming option this week? I think he's definitely a streaming option. I'm a little reluctant. I understand the legs thing, and I understand he's going to run around, and I think that's going to be something that gives him a solid floor. I have serious concerns about this offense in general. And you talked about, you know, what would happen if he goes back to Dalton. I just think Matt Nagy has been everything that we hoped he wouldn't be as the offensive coordinator <laughs> again. And he's basically sabotaging this offense in so many ways. It's uncreative, super predictable. The offensive line isn't any good. And as a lot of result, you're putting fields in a position where I, I want to see him be successful, but I don't know if he's going to be. He kind of struggled a little bit last week. He had a nice time throw that Allen Robinson dropped. Other than he was six for 13, he did throw a scramble around for 31 yards, but it wasn't really any RPO action. It was mostly him just scrambling around making things happen. And while the Browns defense hasn't really shown a whole lot, it, on paper, it's got a really solid pass rush. It's got some of the better corners in the league. So you do have a tough matchup for the Chicago team. I think it's going to be hard to see Justin Fields kind of come out and just, you know, guns blazing and looking great through week one. I think the legs can kind of give you that hope that he will. But it will be really interesting. I think, like I said, I think he's definitely a streaming option. If, I've, if I'm if a team out there, I'm not necessarily going to jump on playing him this week one. I'll probably wait to week two to kind of see how this unfolds. Look, after either this week or next week, I think it's coming where Matt Nagy will have to, by default, turn the play calling back over to Bill Lazor. And that's where I get excited with Justin Fields. Now, I'm with you. Until that happens, there's definitely a low floor because, whew, man, the play calling is just incoherent. That's that's like most polite way you could probably say it at this point. It's just incoherent right now coming out of Matt Nagy. So, I think it's this week or next week because they can't keep just putting up 17 points in a game and probably about 17-20 around against Cleveland this week. So, I think it's a matter of time before they turn it over Back to Bill Lazor. As far as this week is concerned, though, I think Fields will run enough. He'll have top 12 potential, and he comes at a QB 13 for me on the week. David Montgomery, give me what you want for him from this week, but also give me what is your outlook now that Fields is taking over, presumably for the rest of the season with David Montgomery. Does that make you more excited, less excited, the same? I'm more excited. I know a lot of people always worry about the running quarterback vulturing touchdowns for you. This team isn't scoring a whole lot of touchdowns, so I mean, I'm super worried about that. But I do think it helps increase his efficiency. I talked about the line not being any good, and I talked about you know Nagy not being very creative. But if you have the RPO action and you have a Justin Fields where the, you know, the end has to kind of respect that. We saw that last week with Daniel Jones and how effective it can be that you can draw a guy's eyes at least, and you can make big plays off of that. So between Fields and Montgomery, I think this is the key to their offense moving forward. I think I'm more excited about him. And I would definitely try to get it, my hands on him. It was also nice to see him be heavily involved in the passing game more so last week than he was week one. So I think all those different things are kind of look good for him. You might get to see him now on check downs that you may be getting any thought on check down to him. But I think overall, I think be more efficient and more effective and more explosive. Yeah, Damian Williams still just, even though the targets went more Montgomery's way this past week, he still was playing on those prime passing downs. So he's still kind of involved in that role. I don't know. And that's one thing. I don't know if that changes if Bill later takes over. Maybe it does. He does have a tendency to play his number one guys a little bit more than Nagy does. So maybe we do see a change in that. 
but I don't know if it happens. Definitely won't happen this week. I do have David Montgomery at RB19 this week. I think he gets enough volume to continue to be that RB2. I think he gets more efficient with Justin Fields. We'll have to see exactly how this all breaks down in the red zone, but you can still play David Montgomery with confidence as an RB2, even in a tough matchup here against Cleveland. Allen Robinson. Actually, you know what? I should probably hit this on Allen Robinson. For this week, he is on my bust alert. I have him at wide receiver 27, so I have him more as a wide receiver three than inside of my you know top two wide receivers, top 24. Uh, the thing is the matchup here. You got Denzel Ward. Matt Nagy still calling the plays. Justin Fields is still a rookie quarterback. I expect the volume to go his way, so you can still play him the flex, still play him as a wide receiver three. But I am really lowering my expectations on looking at Allen Robinson as the guy I drafted him to be, which is you know a borderline wide receiver one prospect for this week. It will get better, but I don't like how everything's coming to a head this week. See, I might be a little bit different. I understand the word matchup, but actually Ward's been the most targeted um, corner on Cleveland, and it's actually struggled this season so far. So you, you kind of expect that maybe to turn around a little bit, but it doesn't mean I'm going to shy away from Allen Robinson. I do think he'll be the primary recipient of most of Justin Fields' attempts. We've seen rookie quarterbacks kind of lock on to number one. I, well, from what I saw last week, that's not going to change because that's the first guy he was looking for most of the time. Now, he did have a, a big drop. I, 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 re, I dispute that. It was Darnell <laughs> Mooney who got more of the targets with Justin Field on the field. That was also a big partly because where they were they basically were basically doubling Robinson towards the end of the game. But I understand what your point is. Um, I, I think there's going to be a decent volume for him. I think he's going to still be involved. He's not a guy I would bench this week, but I understand the concerns. And it is something you want to kind of remain to see because I I am not – we talked about this at length right now, but Nagy's play calling and an opportunity to get Allen Robinson down the field has really been limited, and that's what I'm kind of more concerned about. He might get the volume of PPR purposes, but standard and half-point PPR, you're, you're looking for a big play from this guy, and they're really not taking shots down the field. Even Darnell Mooney, this you know, quote-unquote speedster, he had you know six catches for 66 yards. They're just dinking and dunking everywhere, even with fields out there. So that's where it's going to get really interesting. Yeah, again, we have to see if they come out with a new game plan this week. But that's what you just pointed out there is another reason why I have him at wide receiver three. There's going to be more, I believe, target share between Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney with Justin Fields at the quarterback position. And even though Mooney wasn't necessarily going down the field as much, he's the only one I've seen go down the field at all this season for Chicago thus far. While Allen Robinson operates as a glorified Wes Welker, I guess you could say in this Matt Nagy system. I don't know what else to call it. But until that changes, I get a little bit concerned when he plays against good defenses that can tackle exactly what is the ceiling going to be. He's almost get puts into a spot where he needs a touchdown to get inside that top 24. So that's where my concern comes in for Allen Robinson going into this week. Again, though, for the future, when it comes to Allen Robinson, it comes to Darnell Mooney. Now that Justin Fields is in the game, much higher expectations rest of season, just not necessarily this week. But I even have Darnell Mooney, somebody who's going to be a wide receiver four, low-end wide receiver three for most weeks heading into it because I believe he's going to be able to get both these guys the ball and hit the ball down the field. Again, we'll see exactly when Matt Nagy has to cough up the play calling. When we move to Cleveland side, pretty straightforward as far as the running backs are concerned. You know, Nick Chubb's an RB1. I have Kareem Hunt as an RB3 with RB2 potential because, you know, he can come in and score at any given time with the with the role that he has within this offense. The only other thing, you have Jarvis Landry, he's going on IR, which, you know, that's a big deal. This is a guy who's never missed games due to injury. Sad to see it happen now. He's got the MCL sprain out for at least a month, maybe more. On the good side, OBJ 
seem to be coming back at just the right moment. Practice in full yesterday. They expect him to be back in there this week. I know in, in myself, if I have OBJ. I actually don't in too many places, but if I had OBJ, I w- would definitely feel uneasy about wanting to plug him in my lineup the first week back. However, with Jarvis Landry out and the status of the rest of the wide receiving core of the Browns, the target consolidation is going to be there. This isn't a matchup you hate. OBJ coming in at wide receiver 30 for me in half point PPR leagues. Yeah, I do have OBJ on one of my other teams, and it is something I'm reluctant to do as well. I mean, in theory, he should be the most targeted guy, but the way this Browns offense has been playing so far, they're really not targeting anybody specifically. They're just spreading the ball consistently around to different guys. Um, you know, even the tight ends, people are kind of excited, like me, well, the tight ends have a boost. Yeah, which one? Because there's three of them playing right now. So I think that's one of the things you're kind of concerned about between Cream Hunt, three tight ends, different receivers out there. OBJ might not get the volume you're kind of hoping for that you expect to get just because this Browns team doesn't really need to use the passing game a whole lot to be effective. They haven't had big numbers in the passing game yet this season. They've been very efficient, um, but I think I I would kind of be concerned that they don't really need to show too much to beat this Bears team. And therefore, is he going to have the kind of upside you're looking for? Because overall, like I said, this this team in general, the passing game hasn't really shown you any upside. It's basically been really solid, had consistency. But they really don't. They just basically spread the ball around different guys who are open, and nobody's really getting featured at all. Breaking news. I just wanted to get this out there because this is something people are going to be following, but we're going to talk about more about this game tomorrow. Uh, Amari Cooper is practicing in a limited capacity. There is some concern about his availability heading into Monday night with the rib injury, but he's practicing in limited today. Remember, since that's a Monday night game, today would be like their Wednesday practice. It's a pretty good sign he will actually be active and out there. So I just wanted to get that out there now as the news came out. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing about OBJ, right? There's wide range of outcomes, a low floor. I'm going to go with the target consolidation. And Baker, actually, if he wanted to you know, push the ball to OBJ and only OBJ. He actually would have the excuse to do it right now. Uh, I mean, outside of that, Donovan Jones, uh, excuse me on that one. I'll redo that. Donovan Peoples-Jones, he has been the most target, or not the most targeted, the most playtime wide receiver. He's had the highest snap count out of all the wide receivers outside of Jarvis Landry up until this point, and he's done nothing with it. I mean, I know Anthony Schwartz has gotten some buzz because he hit some big plays, but again, he's still third in the pecking order. Rashard Higgins played ahead of him last week, some, possibly to do with the injury that Schwartz had as well. But still, everything else outside of OBJ is just a mess for Cleveland right now. Not productive, not counting on it. There's that's That target consolidation could lead him to having an okay floor. But again, I have at wide receiver three. I feel like he's consistently going to be in that range because you know he could go off or he could have a low floor. But I'm okay playing him if you're in that situation. Not playing anybody else. Enough with the Austin Hooper nonsense already. Come on. Every single week I have to hear how this guy's a streaming tight end somehow. They're like, oh, well, yeah, but the Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns get the ball to their tight end unit. Yeah, their tight end unit. It's a three-man carousel. We don't even like three-man carousels when it comes to the running backs who touch the ball more. Why are we touching and caring about a tight end group that has three guys literally almost splitting snaps between all three of them, literally almost putting all targets between all three of them. Now, if somebody gets injured or something shakes out, then I will start to pay attention to whoever the lead guy is. But right now, yes, as a tight end group, they perform well. There's nobody to count for fantasy purposes. Stop trying to shove Austin Hooper down people's throats of being a tight end streamer. 
Yeah, I mean, and that guy's talked about this passing game. There's not been a receiver or a tight end who's had over 80 yards yet in that front any of the, for the Cleveland Browns this season. So even if you're hoping to have a decent game, you're just banking on a touchdown. It's like you're hoping for anybody else to plays. So to your point, this isn't – I wouldn't roll the dice. If you have Hooper and you want to have no other options, okay. But there's no reason if we're going out and targeting this guy. There's no reason to be looking for him to be in your lineup because all these different guys are going to play. They're going to continue to play. And this team's got, like I said, been spreading the ball out. You can't expect anybody to be featured, particularly at the tight end, where there are three different options. Right now, Cleveland is favored minus seven. The over-under is 45 and a half. I think I might take, I probably wouldn't bet this game. But if I would bet this game, I think I might take Chicago plus the seven points. I still expect this game to be close. And as we saw against Houston, Cleveland's not really blowing people out the door. They might control the game. But score-wise, they're not really blowing people out the door right now. I don't expect them to blow the doors off of Chicago. I expect Chicago to stay in this game. So plus seven on Chicago is the bet I would make, but I probably wouldn't bet this game at all myself. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think that the Bears are a solid defense. They're not over-the-top great. They're not as good as they were Cincinnati. But you also saw how you beat this team, which was week one versus the Rams. You tack them deep. And if you're not going to push the ball deep, it's going to be a close game. And I think that's what sets up to keep the score lower. I agree with you. It's not a game I want to touch. Here here comes a game that might be a, a blowout, potentially. The Baltimore Ravens and Detroit game. So first of all, I want to say this. Great game last Sunday night. We talked about that on, on the primetime review and the waiver wire report on Tuesday. Great game. And that's the kind of game where you can get your confidence back. Look, they lost both their running backs, their top corner. They went the Monday Night Football, lost to a team they were supposed to beat against the Raiders. I mean, their confidence was probably at an all-time low heading into that Sunday night game. For them to beat the Chiefs, who they haven't even been able to beat since Lamar Jackson's been the starting quarterback on top of it, in that fashion, 36-35, at the end of the game, I think if nothing else, that's going to be a real confidence booster for this team moving forward. I know some people could look at this as a situation where you're playing against a inferior team coming off of a high emotional win. Sometimes that could be a trap game. But in this instance, because of what that game meant to Baltimore, I think it might be the opposite. I think it might be a confidence boost for them moving forward that they're back in this thing that they can still be a Super Bowl contending team in their minds. And therefore, Detroit might be running into a buzzsaw against Baltimore. Fantasy-wise, I don't know how much there is to say. Other, you know, you know you're playing Lamar Jackson. I have him as QB4 on the week. You know he's going to run, do his thing. Uh, Marquise Brown has been excellent. He's my wide receiver 20 this week. Of course, the bombs are in the air. He's been playing better now that he has Sammy Watkins on the other side of him to kind of take away the top corner issue that Marquise Brown had a season ago. And they've been moving him around and playing him in the slot. And as a result, you've seen his target share. Not that his, well, I shouldn't say his target share because he had one of the highest target shares, but it's still like it was like five, six targets. They're throwing the ball a little bit more. He's getting more than six targets in these games. So with that ability and you have the matchup here, Marquise Brown coming at wide receiver 20 for me because a big play can't be ruled out as a more than 50% likelihood against this Detroit Lions team. And then my big one is Tyson Williams. I actually just talked about him on my TikTok video as a must start this week. He's RB17. Do I worry a little bit about Latavius Murray continuing to get those red zone target uh, red zone carries? Yeah, I do. It's annoying. But Williams is the most explosive back. He's still getting the majority of the carries. And in this match against Detroit, where they may run the ball the entire game because they may not have to do anything else, Tyson Williams is a must-start RB2 with some upside to break a big play in this game, in my mind. 
And Mark, I'll just mention Mark Andrews real quick. Tight end seven this week. I think he gets in the end zone this week and gets things turned around. So that's where I'm at on Baltimore. Where are you at on Baltimore, Chris? Yeah, I agree with all those points. I think Taysom Williams is an excellent point. We saw Elijah Mitchell have a, a monster game that week one versus this defense. I think you're going to see that speed's going to be hard for them to kind of contain. And I expect that he's going to have a huge game. I think Latavius Murray is the guy you do have an option to play in your flex this week because I do think he's going to score a touchdown, if not do better. They should be up big. He could probably be the guy to kind of finish or quote unquote. It does make you concerned that Williams won't be involved, like I said, because he's going to have big plays. He's going to be able to gash this team. And then on the outside, you have great matchups. This line secondary is completely you know, beat up. Um, they're going to have their hands full dealing with Watkins and Marquise Brown. Watkins might be a sneaky option also as a flex or a receiver three if you have to play three receivers in your team. Um, so he could be a sneaky option out there as well. I look at this team and kind of bounce back, like you said, and I think the Ravens' defense is going to be kind of interesting to see how they unfold. I like what they did versus the Chiefs, and those numbers don't necessarily show they did stop them, but they did a good job taking Tyreek Hill away. And if you take Hawkinson away, it's going to be real interesting what else can the Lions really do versus team. Yeah, I getting you're getting over to the Lions point with TJ Hawkins. Yes, on paper, Baltimore is the worst defense against the tight end. However, they played against Darren Waller week one. They played against Travis Kelsey week two. Now, this argument can go one of one of two ways. It can both sides, really. On the one hand, you have it where you knew they were going to target Darren Waller. You knew they were going to target Travis Kelsey, and they still couldn't do anything about it anyway. On the flip side, you have TJ Hawkinson, not quite as good as those two. And the defense last week, when it came to Travis Kelsey, completely tilted to Tyreek Hill. Completely just were like, we were not getting beat deep by Tyreek Hill. That, that, was the, that was the game plan they came out and made and executed, allowing Travis Kelsey to go. Those two are also, I would say, number ones, at least in Travis Kelsey's the 1A, 1B with Tyreek Hill as far as the offense goes. TJ Hawkinson is the number one target in his offense as well. So he's going to get an extra volume. So this goes both ways. TJ Hawkinson, for me, you're playing him. He's a tight end five. But I don't know if I'm getting super giddy. I see him in the top three in a lot of places. I don't know if I'm getting super giddy because Baltimore on paper is a great matchup just because of who they've played thus far to make that happen. Yeah, and I also think the big difference is, is that you weren't able to, they really weren't game planning to take Waller away, I think, that week one because the team was still kind of adjusting to the new secondary and all the injuries that they had. Um, I also, and a big part also having Henry Ruggs, while he's not a superstar adding, but stretching the means, he can't stretch the field and you have to kind of respect him. There's nobody to respect out on the outside that's going to beat you deep versus this Lions team. So therefore you can kind of crowd the middle, which is going to be where you're looking for, for the Hawkinson and his ability to kind of attack the field. So I think they're going to kind of squeeze the linebackers in, or I think they're going to squeeze the safety center and attack that tight end or attack these running backs in the passing game. doesn't mean you bench any of these guys. This means I would expect the upside that you kind of see numbers wise. Um, And I think it is going to be more interesting. One of the guys I would take a shot on actually this week is Quentin Cephas. I think as a sneaky pick, especially DFS purposes, this guy's been one of the more targeted receivers. He has the ability to kind of get off the line really quickly. He runs a multiple route tree and he has one of Jared Goff's favorite targets on the outside. And they don't really have anybody else to kind of rely on. So you have seen the Baltimore secondary be susceptible to the outside pass. And it's somebody I could see as a quiet play or uh, under the radar play, I should say. You might be able to sneak into your lineup. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not playing him in redraft leagues, not in 12-man redraft leagues anyway, but a DFS, I kind of like to call it there. Tyro Williams expected to be out again this week. We saw Jared Goff, I, I think, has looked 
pretty good, all things considered, thus far in his Anthony Lynn offense and has been able to take shots. I expect that to continue with the Quintez Cephas. So, in DFS purposes, and we'll talk about that more on our Saturday night show at 9 30 to 10 30 on social media at Bailey Up MDFF Show and on YouTube when we talk about our DFS stuff and who our sleepers are. Uh, DeAndre Swift, he comes into my RB11. Jamal Williams comes into my RB24. The reason is this. I expect Detroit to continue to have to come back from behind. I expect Jared Goff to continue dropping the ball off. And you can throw the ball to your running backs on the Baltimore Ravens if you actually care to. I like the way these two have looked, how they've used them. They're both fantasy relevant. And I think Swift is the one who's able to make a couple big plays in here. Their floors are just really high. And right now, outside of elite running backs, it's hard to find running backs with a solid floor. That's why Swift comes all the way up to RB11 against for me against Baltimore and why Jamal Williams is RB24. I'm starting both of these guys in this game. Yeah, I'm probably more excited about Swift than Jamal Williams. I understand he's got a nice floor, but yeah, to me, he's not really showing any kind of big playability. He doesn't really have an explosiveness, so you're pretty much going to get what you get. And PPR purposes, that isn't bad. But in standard leagues or half-point PPR, you know, the six catches for 40 yards might not do it for you. DeAndre Swift has a chance that every time he's involved is going to continue to be, have a chance to break one. He's the guy I think is gives Ravens kind of want to mismatch, particularly those linebackers where they do struggle, like you said, kind of covering guys out of the backfield. And they definitely struggle with guys who can get out of their breaks quickly. So I think right. that's the guy that I would definitely I would definitely target and look forward to play this week. Well, that's why he's one of my low end RB ones heading this week at RB eleven. Now, I want to I don't want to backtrack too far, but I want to backtrack a little bit here because I had a note on Tyson Williams that I forgot to mention. I expect him to have a good game. Obviously, I have him as a must start. Have him at RB seventeen. This is a game. This is a situation which I would look to sell high on after he has a good game against Detroit. Latavius is just going to be involved all season long. And Devonta Freeman might be getting more involved. Who knows? He always has to deal with Lamar Jackson. I think if he has a really good game here against Detroit, I think you can package him with something and upgrade either at the wide receiver position or the running back position, whatever it is that you need, because he's going to have that low floor following him around because everybody else still gets involved. So I think it's a situation potentially that he could be a sell high candidate. Well, in my book, if you're selling them, trade them to me because I'm not I'm not selling Tyson Williams yet. And I like I would like the opportunity to get my hands on this guy. I think by clearly he's the most effective and most explosive back in the backfield. Um, I do have concern about the, you know the time being split in the touches, but I think as we kind of saw with J.K. Dobbins last year, you can have limited touches in this game. If you're an explosive player, you're going to have numbers. I'm glad you brought up J.K. Dobbins. That's why I'm selling high on Tyson Williams because the difference between him and J.K. Dobbins is Dobbins was still getting his fair share of red zone carries. Williams is not, and that's the difference for me. That's why I would want to sell high on Williams, why I don't think he quite has the J.K. Dobbins upside that we saw a season ago. As what far as... Go I was going to say, what you say, he's a bit more involved in the passing game than J.K. Dobbins was. No. Uh, target share wise, he hasn't been actually. There's been a few more passes. There's been a few more targets in general to the running backs, which is given a little bit. But he still only had what two last week. Uh, so no, not share wise, he's not that much more involved. And I'm not going to count the Ravens passing attack to the running backs, which is still pretty much for the most part non-existent as a factor for Tyson Williams moving forward. In my opinion, I'm guessing you disagree with that. No, I was just curious because, I, I, I mean, I never saw J.K. Dobbins really lined up in a side receiver position. I saw Tyson Williams lined up a couple of times. At but is that going to continue when Rashad Bateman's back? I don't think it will. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. I mean, I, I can't argue that strongly. I just think it's been it's interesting to see him actually be utilized a bit more in the passing game as an option versus J.K. Dobbs was clearly just the guy who's going to get the ball and hand it to him most of the time. Baltimore is a road favorite at minus eight. Not that I can disagree with that. This over-under is high. This over-under is at 50. That kind of surprises me a little bit. I, I mean, I know there's points that can be had here. But I could see this, again, just game being dominated by Baltimore and their running game and it running out of clock. I'm probably going to stay away from this game. It's going to look juicy on paper, but I honestly, I could see Detroit keeping it within eight because it's at home and their offense has been able to move the ball and the over under eh, don't have a strong feeling on it one way or another. How about you? Uh, for me, I'm definitely going to take the over on it. Not the points wise combo, but I'm going to take the Ravens. I think they're going to win by double digits. I don't think this is going to be a surprise game. I do think they're going to blow this team out. I think a lot of people are taking into consideration the Ravens rating and defense and who how they've not looked so great and expecting that somehow the choice can be able to move the ball. I kind of look at it differently. You haven't really seen teams blitz Jarek off, and when Green Bay actually started blitzing last week on the second half, that offense went to shambles. I expect the Ravens to come out blitz very much blitz happy. I expect them to be able to kind of attack this team in all phases on the offensive wise. I expect them to win big. Um, one thing Lamar Jackson and the Ravens have done really since he's come into the league they don't lose to teams that are supposed to not they're supposed to beat and usually they do pound the hell out of the teams they're supposed to beat by double digits so I think this is a team i'm not worried about kind of letting their foot off the gas yeah you know what i like it and you won me over to your side i'm going with minus eight on the ravens as well uh we're gonna take a quick break get a word from our sponsor we'll be right back after this on the md's fantasy football show so don't go anywhere your client's going away for 10 years unless unless we swap first round picks Fantasy football draft season is upon us. It's time for you to put the PP back in the PPR league with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming just launched the new Performance Package 4.0. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers' front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com. For 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. This will help you tame that Troy Palomalu in your pants. And good news for our international listeners. Their life-changing products are now available in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. All with the 20% off and free international shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. 
Welcome back in MD Nation. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on social media at BellyUpMDFF Show and on YouTube on the MD's Fantasy Football Show channel. Please subscribe. Of course, you can always check us out on your favorite pod streaming app because we're available everywhere. I mean, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, wherever, wherever you want to go. Favorite pod streaming app. We'll be back on the night from 6 to 7.30 on the Unhinged Radio Network, unhingedsn.airtime.pro, as you can see up top on the banner there. We've been going through the Thursday night preview and all of the early slate of Sunday for week three. Continuing on now with the Colts and the Tennessee Titans. This is not looking good for the Colts. Uh, Carson Wentz, two ankle sprains. It's bad enough when you get one. You get two ankle sprains. One's a high ankle. I think that one's on the right foot. And then the left foot has a low ankle sprain, if I'm remembering the report correctly. They're trying to hold out hope that he plays because guess what? Behind him... They have Brett Hundley, too, who took most of the first-team reps yesterday. Jacob Easton, who also took some first-team reps. We're talking about maybe both of these guys play in this game. I mean, it's an absolute mess right now for the Colts if Carson Wentz cannot go. Now, for my ranking purposes, I still ranked it as if Carson Wentz would play for him and Pittman and, and Taylor and everybody else involved until we get the official word that he's out. Now, I don't expect him to be able to go. The only reason I still ranked it as if he will is because there is that part where they look at Hunley, look at Easton, and be like, listen, Carson, what painkillers do we got to give you to get out there? So uh, I can see that happening, which is why I still ranked it as if he's going to play. So as if Carson Wentz is going to play, I have Jonathan Taylor as my RB12. They will lean on him. This is a good matchup. I expect him to get a lot of volume. And if Carson Wentz is playing, I expect a heck of a lot of checkdowns. So remember that week one game where you had... 15 targets to the running backs, seven to Taylor, eight to Naeem Hines. I can see that happening again if he was to be out there. So I have him there. I have Naeem Hines at RB39. Michael Pittman I have at our uh, wide receiver 37. I think they finally remembered last week that, hey, you know what? This guy was supposed to be our up-and-coming wide. Yeah, he's better than Zach Pascal, okay? Zach Pascal's a nice player, but he's better than Zach Pascal. Let's get him the ball. I think I don't think that goes back to Pascal, although he still seems to be the one who keeps getting the touchdowns for some reason, but... Michael Pittman, my wide receiver, 37. Again, if Carson Wentz plays. I'm not interested in anybody else in the Colts. If Wentz does not play, Taylor wouldn't move for me because I think the game plan would be to give the ball to Taylor as much as they humanly possibly can. Naeem Hines would drop into the 40s, and Michael Pittman would probably drop into the late 40s, maybe even 50s, so maybe a wide receiver, 5 for me, if it's Brett Hundley or Jacob Easton. So basically, Taylor would be the only fantasy asset that I would touch if Wentz is not able to go. Uh, Wentz himself, I have at QB 18. Or no, I think I have, I have a QB 16 if he were to play. Again, you're playing against Tennessee. There's been a lot of points to be had. But, you know, high injury risk. So I would keep him outside of my streaming territory for quarterbacks. So that's my two scenarios on if Carson Wentz plays, if he doesn't play. What do you think, Chris? I echo everything you say of Carson Wentz plays. The only concern I have a little bit is Naheem Hines. We saw Marlon Mack kind of get phased back into this off- offense last week, unfortunately, and stole not some of, stole some of the carries Naheem Hines kind of ha- provided that for. He had nine carries that first week, had none last week. Uh, he wasn't even really targeting only two targets in the passing game, so it was definitely kind of an odd usage for him in general. Um, you, you see Jonathan Taylor will probably still have a solid floor. I, I agree with all the things that Carson plays. If Carson doesn't play... I fade everyone, including Jonathan Taylor. 
while I still start him, he's definitely a guy that I think goes from a possible RB1, borderline RB2, to a, a clear flex play, maybe an RB3 at best. Because mm-hmm. I think that, you, yeah, I think that you're going to have some. This still game, Tennessee. It is, but you didn't see Chris Carson have a big game, especially rushing. Um, he did have the two touchdowns, so you're hoping that Jonathan Taylor gets the touchdowns. I just don't see the Colts moving the ball. It, one thing Tennessee does have is decent pass rush, and this offensive line has been in shambles. It's probably why Carson Wentz got hurt again. And Carson Wentz basically has been bailing his offense out. People kind of, I was disappointed to see him get hurt because he was the one making all the plays. Right now, uh, I talk about Matt Nike and how horrible he is. Frank Reich is doing nothing yeah. offensively to help this it's team shocking. look good or be, or be productive. He's putting Car- he put it all on Carson Wentz, and Carson stepped up and made him look good. But I think that's the problem. If he's not playing, you're, Hudley, Eason, these guys are bums. Especially Eason, if he's out there, he can't complete anything. You have a, some hope with Hudley plays that maybe a Jonathan Taylor gets some RPO action, but if that's not a threat, what's this team going to do? They don't move guys. They don't have guys get create plays for guys. So I have some serious concerns that this offensive line isn't dominant, which it hasn't been, how good this offense is going to be in general without a Carson Wentz at the quarterback position. Yeah, I think that's been the most surprising thing about the Colts so far this season is that Frank Reich hasn't been good. And this is the first time I think Frank Reich really hasn't been good as a play caller so far. It, that, that's been concerning uh, with everybody else. Uh, Campbell is questionable, just to kind of mention him. He's questionable with an abdomen issue. He did practice in limited capacity. He might be back this week. But yeah, I mean, all hell breaks loose if Carson Wentz can't play on this team. By the way, Tennessee, probably one of my top uh, DFS streams, or streaming defenses in general, but one of my top DFS plays probably on the week as well, as it'll be cheap. And this, if, <laughs> if Ben Huntley or Jason Eason plays, there's at least two interceptions coming their way. On the Tennessee side of the ball, you're pretty excited about everybody. First of all, the Colts have, their secondary has been non-existent, surprisingly. Everyone's been able to go on them. Uh, Xavier Woods may miss again, although I think he did return to practice. We'll see exactly what happens. But against that, Xavier Rose, yes, thank you. Uh, But against, with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, Julio having the nice game last week, it was good to see him, one, have a good game after the abysmal week one, uh, two, he has that shows he has some chemistry moving forward now at Ryan Tannehill. But I also think they're going to be an emphasis to get AJ Brown going because he really hasn't gotten going yet this season either. This is a prime matchup for both of these guys to have good games this week. AJ Brown, my wide receiver, sixteen. Julio Jones, my wide receiver, twenty nine. I may be moving up Julio Jones a little bit further, although there's a lot of wide receivers I like this week. But both of these guys are must plays in my mind this week. Yeah, I'm. I'd probably be even higher on AJ Brown. Um, you know, Kellen Moore is supposed to be one of the better corners for the Colts in slot corner. He's been getting lit up this season. We saw Todd yes, have a huge game. We've seen uh, everybody basically who's Cooper playing Cobb in college have a huge game. A.J. Brown's been playing more and more in a slot in this new offense. Julio does not. So I think A.J. Brown, after kind of having a rough start to the season in a lot of ways, kind of fighting the ball last week, I think this is the game where he goes ballistic. And I wouldn't expect everything that you kind of saw from the last two weeks out of this Colts defense giving up the big plays. I think A.J. Brown's going to be the big recipient of that. Of that. I mean, he has he has wide receiver one upside every single week. The reason you put him at wide receiver 16 is he hasn't done it yet this season. So there has to be that little bit of caution there, but prime opportunity for him to do so. Uh, Derek Henry, RB2, because Chris McCaffrey's playing, and it's Chris, well, it's Chris McCaffrey and he's playing Houston. But what's scary about Derek Henry, it's not the 182 rushing yards, it's not the 35 carries, it's not the three rushing touchdowns. For me, it was the six receptions for 55 yards last week. If this guy is going to start catching the ball with what he can do on the ground, especially as it gets colder and later on to the season, look out, McCaffrey. There might be a new RB1 in town. It's going to be insane 
if that winds up continuing. And it might, because Todd Downey is throwing the ball to the running backs more than Arthur Smith ever did with this team. And as a result, Derrick Henry might just be more involved by default. I, this is scary. I mean, he's like number two, and obviously you're playing him. Uh, it's just scary what his upside might be the rest of the season. This continues. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fantastic upside. And you talked about him throwing the ball more. I think a big part of that is the addition of Julio Jones. Now safeties have to kind of bail and get out on this guy, and it's going to leave the open wide open, the middle wide open for the Derrick Henry to kind of check out of the backfield and have that easy dink and dunk to him. Um, and my other thing you want to talk about for this week is this guy absolutely owns the Colts. The Colts' defense has been pretty good, particularly against the run. They were number two rushing defense last year. It never matters when they play Derrick Henry. For the last six years, or four years, I should say, he's been he's been just borderline dominant. He's, he averages almost 100 yards. He scores at least a touchdown or two, and that's without the passing game being involved through. So I think, yeah, the sky's the limit for him this week, especially with how horrible we expect his offense to kind of be without Carson Wentz on the other side. He's going to have numerous opportunities to score points, and this could be a big Derrick Henry week again. Yeah, I mean, he might be icing this game in the second quarter. That's the other scary part about this, too. Uh, and as a result of that, Ryan Tannehill, I'm actually surprised. Right now, ECR has him at QB 14 heading into this match. I got him at QB 9. I thought I might have been too low with him at QB 9. He's definitely a must-start, definitely a top-10 play for me. You love the matchup with him with the wide receivers. Derek, it showed you last week, Derrick Henry can run the ball 35 times and Ryan Tannehill can still have a great game through the air. Oh, and by the way, he's always a threat to get a rushing touchdown off a read option as well. I don't know why he's QB 14. Maybe they're just thinking that the Titans might go out big and just control this game. There won't be much volume. That's the only thing I can think of, but definitely a must start. Definitely a top 10 quarterback for me this week. Yeah, that would be my only concern going into this week. I mean, the big difference between last week is Seattle's moving the ball up and down the field and still scoring points. We're not really sure that's going to happen necessarily this week on the other side of the ball. So I can see them getting up big and kind of just, you know, re- relaxing in a sense, not using Tannehill too much in the passing game. But other than that, I mean, you can't go into this week thinking that. So I wouldn't I wouldn't have be opposed to definitely starting him if you have him. If you have some better option, maybe possibly consider it because it's the only thing I said that could kind of hold him back. Against the matchup, it's, it's great matchup, salivating in so many different ways. But this team could easily be up 21 nothing back to the first quarter. Uh this line's going to change, and it's already one of my lock bets of the week. I already put it up on TikTok. Right now, Tennessee is only minus five over the Colts. Rush to the sports books. Yes. Put your money on Tennessee minus five this week. That line is going to change as we get closer to this game. So take advantage of it while you still can. Minus five on Tennessee. Whatever you got in your funds. My lock bet of the week right there. Uh Moving on, the Chargers and the Chiefs. All right, Chargers, here's my message to you. There's over-unders at 54 and a half. Let's actually get there. Because I can't believe what happened last week with the Chargers and Dallas. Chris, we talked about this on the on our DFS show last Saturday. I had like four guys in that game between the Chargers and the Cowboys, and I got a 20 to 17 snooze fest between these two offenses. Now, I have a hard time believing it won't be high scoring. Now it's Kansas City and it's Patrick Mahomes. So I I'm going to believe, and the line on this one, spoiler, 54 and a half, I'm going to bet the over. I'm going to believe it's going to be a shootout. We're going to get the Chargers to play the way we thought they were going to against Dallas a week ago. So as a result, Justin Herbert, top 10 quarterback, number 10 actually on the board for me this week with the volume that I expect him to have. Austin Eckler coming in at RB4, getting back involved with the targets. I think there's going to be a... Heck of a ton of volume for him, both rushing and receiving. The one thing I really find interesting about Austin Eckler right now, 
and why I, I get him all the way up to RB4 in this matchup. And it's not just because it's a high-scoring matchup and a good matchup. But also, they're not putting in, you know, Larry Roundtree, Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly in the red zone. They're giving Austin Eckler red zone carries. So he's essentially a workhorse back in a bigger way than he's ever been in his entire career. That's why he's my RB4 this week. What do you think about that, Chris? I agree with everything you're saying. I think the one thing that people need to kind of keep in mind was that, you know, we have yeah, a lot of guys, like you said, in your DMS lineup. It wasn't that you're disappointed in them. It's just they didn't get touchdowns. They moved up and down the field. Mike Williams went over 100 yards. Keenan Allen went over 100 yards. Austin Eckler was involved in the passing and rushing game. He was very effective. They just kept falling short. Justin Herbert went over 330 yards passing. It was the two interceptions that killed them. It was the turnovers that killed them. So they were in the, they were in that red zone consistently. They just weren't punching it in. And that's where I could see this over definitely you know changing and being a definitely high-scoring game that we expect it to be. And there's no reason to not bank on all these guys to continue to do what they've been doing all season long right now. Yeah, you're banking on Keenan Allen. I got him inside my top 10 wide receivers. I think it's the targets flowing his way. And you're definitely playing Mike Williams. He's my wide receiver 19. And I had a hard time moving up. I wanted to move him up higher than that. I had a hard time moving up higher than that. I got him at wide receiver 19. He's a must start for me this week as well. He might be a must start for the rest of the season. Double digit targets, first two weeks. He's found the end zone. The biggest thing for me, along with the volume that he's now seeing, is that he's allowed to run a full receiver route tree within this offense. That's been the biggest difference for Mike Williams and why I think this success for him will continue throughout the year. Chris, you've always been a big Mike Williams fan. I'm going to let you have the floor here. Yeah, I'm excited that he's actually not just going to be running goes all the time like he was in Anthony Anthony Lynn's offense. He's not just a big play threat. This guy can use his body. He's being utilized in different roles. And it reminds me a lot of kind of what you saw with the Vikings where they were able to sustain the two running receivers with Adam Thielen. I think that Williams plays that role in a lot of different ways. And you have that kind of underneath guy to kind of be the possession guy with Keenan Allen, but even he's going down the field more often than he has in the past. And then you add the fact that Eckler is the other guy. They kind of consolidated their passing game in a lot of ways, and I think that's a big beneficiary to all these guys, particularly Mike Williams, because he's going to see the targets. I think he's the guy that you have to kind of get involved early for not big games. I think the problem we saw the last couple of years other than injuries was he'd get maybe four or five targets one game, and then the next game maybe now you need to target until it's fourth quarter, maybe get two targets. So now that he's actually going to be involved throughout the game, I think you continue to see these big numbers. And last thing, I, Jared Cook's my tight end nine of the week. I think you can play him. He's a top streamer for me this week. Again, just high scoring, volume opportunities in the offense. He's still been getting a decent amount of targets the first two weeks. I think you can play Jared Cook. Uh, moving on to Kansas City, Mahomes my QB one on the week. I'm expecting a big scoring game. Travis Kelsey, tight end one. Tyreek Hill is my wide receiver two. Uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire. So uh, you knew we were going to have to talk about this. He comes in my RB22. Now, I'm going to hit this again. <laughs> Not hitting him for a bust alert this week. Hitting that, say, pay attention. He should have a good game this week. That's why he's my RB22. Sell him high immediately. The second he has a good game this week against the Chargers, sell him for anything you can get him for. This guy has proven to be everything that I was worried about for him in the first place. They are not calling screens or calling plays to get him involved in the passing game, which is what they have to do because Mahomes doesn't check the ball down naturally. They are now taking him out in red zone territory, something I thought might happen at some point this season because he's been inefficient in that area. Plus, Kansas City sometimes doesn't even line up in a goal line offense anyway, so you have that to compete with. He does not have the game-breaking ability to make big plays off the volume he is having. is not in his skill set. He's out there to be a serviceable, solid back, nothing else. I loved it this entire week. How many experts I heard talk about 
how, whoa, what would happen if they drafted DeAndre Swift instead of Clyde Jalair? Chris, you know this. You've been with me since the get-go. What was the first thing out of my mouth after that draft on day one? He loves DeAndre Swift. I couldn't argue that at all. We'll see. But, you yeah, have definitely... to admit at this point, at this point, you have to admit I was right about Swift being a better fit for the Kansas City Chiefs and what they're trying to do with their running back. Come on. I don't. I mean, you could say that, but everything you just pointed out does. Is he a better fit? If they're not going to throw the ball, the running backs, and they're not going to involve the running backs, then who's who is a good fit? Because DeAndre Swift is the ball for him. Is the fit because he can take those thirteen carries that Clyde Edwards is taking and still bust one. That's the point. That's why he's the better fit. So, I do think this is a big week for Edwards Hilaire. I do think this is a chance to show that he should be more productive than he has been. Having said that, he played the Ravens defense last week. This is not a team that you run over. Nobody's run over the Ravens. Even though the defense has been questionable, you start running all over the Ravens. So that's not something I'm super concerned about. And then the week one, it was a little concerning, but that Cleveland game, Cleveland was up big. So they're not really looking to establish the run in that game either. I would be concerned if he's not utilized properly this game, if he's not being involved in the offense, then you can start coming at me more hardcore. But until I actually see the game script that is actually added up for him to actually be more involved, then I can then I'll start questioning, which is this week in a big way because I think he should. The Chargers been lit up in a running game. They've been lit up against different teams. Tony, Tony Pollard had a great game, and Zeke had a good game. So you definitely can attack this team through the air to your running backs and also through the through the ground. So this to me is a big week to kind of see really where he stands in this offense. I'm not making a jump of a conclusion. I'm not jumping to conclusions quite yet based on just basically how the matchups have unfolded for them. Like I said, Cleveland got it big in that first game, and the Ravens defense hasn't got isn't going to get run over by anybody as long as Williams is out there. So that's two guys who we saw the Raiders have even a great play. They scored a lot of points. Jacobs did nothing. Drake did nothing. So there's, to me, it's just you're kind of looking at these matchups because you see what you want to see. I, I hope Clyde has a big game so you can sell him for something because right now it's pennies on the dollar and it's not going to – what you saw the first two weeks I think is more consistent what you're going to get most of the year. But I had to do that because I knew we were going to have a debate on on that one. Uh, as far as – like I said, as far as betting, I'm definitely going on the over, over the 54 and a half. I believe Kansas City, yes, they are six and a half point favorites. I'm actually not going to bet the line here. I could see the Chargers keeping this within a touchdown score potentially as they go back and forth on their two offenses. Where are you at on this? Yeah, I bet the over on the total score. I definitely think it's – I think both these teams are going to score in the 30s. It's basically how the Chiefs are playing this year. Their defense is pathetic, but they can score with anybody. Um, and I think we saw, as like I said last week, even the Dallas game wasn't as high scoring as we expected it to be. They're moving the ball up and down the field of the Chargers, so they should be able to punch, punch points on the board. So I go with the over. As for the spread, I'm not touching this game necessarily either because I think it could go either way. I think it's a good matchup for both teams, and I think it could be definitely under that. So I wouldn't necessarily bet on over or under on that part. Uh, we move into the Patriots and Saints game, and this has the potential to be a snooze fest. First of all, we got to see what team the Saints are. Are they a week one team or the week two team? Two drastically different teams, first and foremost. Now, the Patriots have been consistent the first two weeks, which is their defense and they're you know, conservative on offense. They play it safe and they play not to lose and they're 2-0 and now and they've had you know, two good, uh, well, they had a nice matchup there against New York last week. And from a fantasy standpoint, there's just not a lot to be had. On the Saints side, outside of Alvin Kamara, who I have is my running back eight, I do think he bounces back, especially in the passing game at the very least. I'm not playing anybody else on the Saints. Are you? No. I mean, we are big on Callaway, but this is a terrible matchup for him. And I'm just seriously concerned about this offense in general. Um, 
I, I'm really hopeful Kamara bounces back because one thing the Patriots still aren't doing this good despite their defense being improved is stopping the run. You definitely can attack them with your running game. But the way that offensive line played for the Saints last week versus Carolina, I'm really concerned to see who's going to show up. They kind of lucked into that Green Bay game in a lot of ways. Green Bay's offense was just so putrid. They kept getting the ball back, and they kept being able to kind of put points up on the board as a result. But we didn't see big numbers statistically that week one out of the offense. Week two, we saw terrible numbers out of the offense. So week three is going to be huge to me. It's a tough defense on the road. And both teams kind of, like you said, pointing out playing very vanilla on offense. Um, I, I have some super concerns about who's going to be involved offensively. I don't want to play anybody but Alvin Kamara in this game for the, on the Saints side. Yeah, I'm just going to mention this real quick, too. Uh, I did it on Tuesday just in case you guys missed it or just in case you still have him on your roster when it comes to Marquez Callaway. Prepare to be flushed. I know he was a top sleeper of ours. We got it wrong. They're not targeting him enough, even though he's playing the snap count. They're not. James Winston isn't giving the ball down the field. This isn't going to be a match we want to take advantage of. And he's running out of time before Michael Thomas comes back anyway. So at this point, just kind of cut ties with Marquez Callaway if you haven't done so already. On the Patriots side of the ball, I have Damian Harris as my RB27. So I have him as an RB3. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Everybody else I have as sits. Janu Smith, Hunter Henry are sits for me. Uh, Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar are sits for me. I don't want to play anybody else. James White comes in at RB4, I think, in PPR leagues. you might He might get quite a few targets in this game, depending on how things are going, just to try to move the ball. There might be in a lot of third-down situations. So I think you can kind of maybe flex him out. Uh, but outside of that, again, this team, I'm looking at Damian Harris, and even then I have a lower expectation because I think he's going to have to get in the end zone to even give you that RB3 status. But Patriots, I'm kind of staying away from them, too, because I think the Saints' defense is better than what they show, especially if they're healthier this week, too. Um, yeah, I, mean, I can see that. I'm probably fading Damian Harris because because he's mostly a rushing att- guy, and the Saints do do a good job pretty much stopping the rushing attacks versus teams. Um, but they do struggle covering guys. Silkish McCaffrey had a nice game last week out of the backfield. I think James White's the guy who I kind of more – geared towards. I think he's going to have a decent game. And you also have the fact he was getting some carries last week as well. It seems like this is going to be more of a two-back backfield more often than people kind of expected, particularly for the Patriots team. Um, so that kind of gives me some upside. And then for the receiver position, I understand some of the concerns. I don't know how healthy they're still going to be on the same secondary. I think you can attack the secondary. I think that was kind of obvious last week that it's not that isn't that great, especially versus what we saw week one. Um, but I do think it's going to be kind of hard to see who's going to do well because the Saints – 
don't, I mean, because the Patriots don't have to attack the ball down the field, you're probably going to see some guys have decent PPR games. I would play Myers personally because he has been kind of have that floor where he's getting like four to six catches a game and he has the opportunity to continue to be involved with Aguilar's more of a deep threat. Um, but overall, it's going to be interesting because I don't know if they're going to have to score a lot of points to win this game. And similar to last week, if they don't, they might just go so totally vanilla and you don't really get the numbers you're kind of looking for. Breaking news. Tyrell Williams gets placed on the IR due to concussion. And Austin Siebert, the kicker for the Lions, just got placed on the COVID-19 list. So they may have a different kicker heading into that game, too. Just kind of gets you guys up to date there. Uh, As far as the betting lines on this game, I am probably not going to bet this game because it's it's such a close cluster situation. New England is favored at minus three at home over under set at 42 I'm probably going to stay away from it altogether. Anything for you, Chris? I think I may be a little bit more bullish in this one. I bet the over on the Patriots. I think they're going to win by at least touchdown or close to a touchdown. So I go. I probably be bet the over that the Saints. You bet. The, you bet the points. You bet the, I bet the mi- points. Sorry, I bet the points. Yeah. yeah, I bet the Patriots are going to. So minus three on the points. I, I think this game's going to be within a field goal. So I'm not. I'm not touching this game. I want to get one more word in from our sponsor. We'll come back on the other side. We got the rest of the games to preview and the mailbag segment for you guys. So stay tuned on the MD's Fantasy Football Show, and we'll be back with you right after this. You can get championship footballs at championshipfootballs.com. They offer a one. 100% money-back guarantee on every single souvenir football that they sell. It's the coolest present that they'll open that day, guaranteed. There's nothing worse than trying to find the right gift for somebody that already has everything. Whether that special present is for a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan or an Alabama Crimson Tide backer, maybe Gramps a lifelong Dallas Cowboys supporter, or your brother-in-law is in LSU Tiger territory. Know a member of the Baylor Alumni Association? Is there a better Father's Day gift for someone who's a Kansas City Chiefs fan? Send them the coolest present they'll open that day, guaranteed. Now, if your favorite pro team is the Buffalo Bills or those Minnesota Vikings, well, we're sorry about that. Also, if you're a New Mexico State Aggie or a Tulane Green Wave alum, not much they can do. After all, the name isn't nice effort. You had a pretty good season. Footballs.com. The name is championshipfootballs.com. The coolest president they'll open that day guaranteed. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. What's going on, MD Nation? We're back, baby. We're doing the week three previews, the Thursday night preview, and all the early slate window games. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Joined here with Chris Dowhauer. We're always on social media at BellyUpMDFF Show on YouTube, the MD's Fantasy Football Show channel. Subscribe your favorite pod streaming app, and we'll be tonight on the Unhinged Radio Network, unhingedsn.airtime.pro from 6 to 7.30 leading up into the game. Chris, let's get into the Atlanta Giant game. There's some there's fancy points to be had here. There's fancy conversations to be had. First and foremost, for me, Mike Davis, he comes in at RB26. Cordell Patterson's actually at RB37. So two things I want to talk about here. Uh, Mike Davis, if he does happen to have a decent game here against New York, I think this is going to be your one and only opportunity to sell high on him. We talked about him as a sell high candidate coming into the season, thinking that you know his volume might have him around an RB2. You might be able to sell him high because we don't think he'll last all throughout the year. Cordell Patterson wound up being much more involved early on than we anticipated. 
This should be a decent matchup. He should get. He, st- he still has been getting a decent amount of volume in this offense. I think he has a decent chance to score here. That's why he comes in RB26. I think you could play him in the flex and then try to sell him high after that. Cordell Patterson, my RB37, borderline flex play, a little more interested in PPR. But my big thing about Cordell Patterson is this. He's been a common waiver wire pickup. And I did mention him on the waiver wire report, but I also said this. Don't pick him up with the idea that he's the one-for-one handcuff to Mike Davis. If something happens to Mike Davis, I'm telling you right now, Wayne Gallman will get involved, and he's still a more complete back than Cordell Patterson is. I wouldn't be surprised if he still led the way in touches over Cordell Patterson if something were to happen to Mike Davis. So I don't think he's the one-for-one handcuff, so don't pick him up with that expectation. You're picking him up with the expectation that in PPR leagues only, I'm not touching in half-point PPR, PPR leagues only, he is a desperate flex and spot play. So that's where I'm out on those two running backs for the Giants. Where are you? Um, I think I, I have a little bit of concern about Davis this week. I don't know if it's a smash spot. I do hope the touchdown comes. But we saw them stop the Redskins running. I'm sorry. We saw the Washington football teams. Dollar in the jar. Right. Yeah, dollar in the jar. <laughs> uh, we did see them stop the Washington football teams rushing attack. Gibson didn't have a great game. And that week one, they did a pretty good job against the run until that big run by Melvin Gordon. So there hasn't the numbers for the Giants' rush defense is a little bit inflated in different ways because of Conant and McKissick having the big game catching the ball. That's where I think Cordell Patterson might have some of the upside this week. I do think you can attack the linebackers, particularly out of the backfield, so you can see Cordell Patterson be kind of featured. Davis has been targeted, so that's kind of encouraging for Davis owners. He has been getting a decent amount of targets, even though Patterson's being more and more involved than he kind of thought he was going to be. Um, so that's where I kind of fall. I think both of the guys are okay flex plays, nothing you're too excited about, but different different options depending on what kind of league you're playing in. Yeah. Obviously, Calvin Ridley's a must-play. I have him at wide receiver five. I don't know how you can't get excited after Terry McLaurin did what he did against the Giants last week. I expect Calvin Ridley to be used in a similar way, especially with Russell Gage being banged up now. They brought in John Brown uh, as a practice squad workout. We'll see exactly what happens there. My big thing for Calvin Ridley, why I have more confidence in him moving forward, and this probably goes for Kyle Pitts in this game too, who I'll talk about in a second. Matt Ryan played a much better game against Tampa Bay last week than he did in week one. All you need is Matt Ryan to be competent in the era of no Julio Jones for Calvin Ridley to continue doing his thing and be able to be that wide receiver one that you drafted him to be. And then Kyle Pitts, I have him as my tight end four on the week heading into this matchup. The targets have been there. I like the matchup here. The the target consolidation for the Falcons with Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts has been there. Against the Giants, this should be a matchup he's able to take advantage of, like Kyle Pitts inside my top five this week. Yeah, I agree to all those points. I think this matches up well for Atlanta. Giants get no pass rush. We kind of saw that versus the Washington football team last week. And in a lot of ways, there's very similar teams where you saw McLaurin's going to play that Calvin Ridley still had a good game. Doesn't matter who was kind of covering him. And I think if you protect Matt Ryan, it means Pitts can be more involved. I think he can have a decent game as well. So I think I agree with you 100%. On the Giants side of the ball, yes, I have Daniel Jones on my QB 17. If you want to stream him, I I guess you can because you can't ignore the rushing stats that he's put up to this point. You can't ignore the match against Atlanta. But I do think, rather than what we saw last week, which is him take the ball quite a bit on read option, I think this is the game where Saquon Barkley winds up taking a few more of those, and it's not Daniel Jones keeping it for himself as much. So that's why I have him at QB 17. He is a streaming option for me. It's still Daniel Jones. It's hard for me to want to trust to play a Daniel Jones at any given moment in time. I'll admit that. Saquon, one of my must-starts of the week, he comes in at RB7. I think this is going to be his return this year to RB1 stats and RB1 finish this week. Obviously, you love the matchup. 
He increased from 62% of the snaps to 84% last week. I expect him to get up over 90 this week and what should be not just a plus matchup, but a positive game script for him as well. And then wide receiver wise, there's only one wide receiver I care about. That's Sterling Shepard. He's wide receiver 18 for me. He's been Daniel Jones's favorite wide receiver. He's been looking really good, actually, and getting wide open all over the field. There still just seems to be a long way to go in this offense for Kenny Galladay and Daniel Jones to get on the same page. Uh, I have him at wide receiver 39 on the week. And Evan Ingram will return, but Evan Ingram is not somebody I'm looking to play in his return. Where are you at on the Giants? I agree with you, everything. Um, Daniel Jones is never a, a favorite option of mine, but I definitely think if you have him where you're picking him up, this is a chance to play him against a, a future defense. Um, to me, Saquon Barkley is going to, this is his litmus test for me. If he doesn't have a big week this week, then I would concern, have concerns about what you're going to get out of him this season because it matches Valid. up great for him. And he gets a 10 game rest between the last time he played. So this is the game where he's going to show out. You should see it this week. Mm-hmm. And then as the receivers, I think Shepard's you know, going to consistently have that left floor, got a good matchup versus Oliver. The other guy who's got a good matchup pretty much is Kenny Galladay. So I take a shot at Kenny Galladay this week. I think it's a good matchup for him. Um, the other corner, I'm trying to think of the guy's name, is going to be matched mostly with Slayton. He's one of the better corners they actually have, even though nobody's really right. Terrell is one of the guys that's going to be matched up primarily with Slayton. So I think this is a Kenny Galladay has the opportunity to actually be more productive. I kind of like the fact that he went off on Jason Garrett or Daniel Jones or whoever the hell he's yelling at last week. I think he could have been everybody. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a chance for him to kind of a bounce back week and this is a great matchup for him. So I, I, think, I would take a chance. I think the same thing needs to be said for Kenny Galladay. You said for Saquon though, if he doesn't go off this week too, I think you have to be concerned moving uh, agreed, forward as well. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, as far as betting that game goes, the Giants are minus three, but they're at minus three at even money. So I actually think I will take the Giants minus three because it's even money on that bet. But this is a game I think will be probably pretty close because these are two equally mediocre teams in my mind. Yeah, I'm 100% in agreement. I, I don't trust Daniel Jones. I don't trust necessarily where Atlanta is right now. So, but I think they're very even as a team, so I'm not touching this game at all. We go to Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. We'll start on Pittsburgh side of the ball because they're a mess right now. Deontay Johnson uh, still not practicing. They did say maybe Fridays when they might test him out more so to see if he can go. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. I think right now, if you're a Deontay Johnson owner, just be thankful it wasn't a serious injury, a long-term injury, because it very well could have been. I don't see how he suits up this week. I do still have him ranked as if he'll play just in case I have him at wide receiver 31. And the reason why I have him wide receiver 31 is because even if he plays now, you got Ben Roethlisberger dealing with a pec injury. Now it's not a shoulder throwing shoulder, thankfully, but still anything that could possibly limit Ben any more than he already is might be a catastrophe as it is for the Steelers offense. They look exactly the same as they were a season ago. I'm not excited about them at all. I do have Najee Harris at RB10 that just continues because of the volume. I think there's going to be more checkdowns potentially in this game with Ben Robsberger banged up. Juju Smith-Schuster comes in for me at wide receiver 36. Chase Claypool continues to be a must 
sit for me at wide receiver 55. Even if Deontay goes out because the way Ben's been back to what he was doing at the end of last season, which remember, Chase Claypool was non-existent at the end of last year when Ben Roethlisberger was trying to get the ball out of his hands all like within 2.5 seconds. He's not looking to go deep. Juju Smith-Schuster would take over Deontay Johnson role. He would raise in my rankings and Chase Claypool. He would raise up a little bit more because of the target consolidation, but still not somebody I would ultimately want to play even in this matchup against Cincinnati. Uh, that's all I care about for this game. I will say this. Pat Freermuth playing ahead of Eric Ebron. He could be a sneaky streaming tight end down the road. So just kind of keep your eye on that. Not for this week, but we'll keep our eye on that moving forward. Go ahead. Yeah, my only big difference is I do like Claypool this week. I do. Th- I don't think Deontay Johnson's going to play. I do think Claypool is going to be more involved. He had nine targets last week. He had three catches for 70 yards. It wasn't efficient that you're hoping for. But I think he's going to continue to be a guy that they look for in the red zone and continue the guy that they kind of feature more and more as the season progresses. I think I like of those nine actually. targets, only six of them were considered actual targets, though. <laughs> I just think that he's the guy who has clear opportunity to step up. I, I think Juju's role is where his role will continue to be the entire season. I think Clay Polk has a good opportunity, especially the matchup-wise, versus Cincinnati's corner, uh, second corner, and I think that he has a chance to have a decent game. But there is anything else you said I agree with. Before you start getting excited about what the Raiders were able to do offensively against the Steelers last week, keep in mind, TJ Watt got hurt during the game. Going into it, there was no Devin Bush. There was no Joey Hayden. They're expected to be a little... We still have to see what happens with TJ Watt, but they're still expected to be a little bit more healthy heading into this matchup. So don't get super over-eager with Cincinnati or, or think that you have a higher ceiling expectation than you normally would. This is still a very good defense. Joe Mixon, RB15. The volume's all going his way. Doesn't really typically do well against the Steelers. Nobody does. But obviously, he's still a must-play with the volume he's getting and his talent. The wide receivers where it gets a little more interesting. I have Jamar Chase at wide receiver 33, T. Higgins at wide receiver 35, and then Tyler Boyd all the way down at wide receiver 53. Again, just lacking the big play touchdown upside of the other two. The Steelers team, I think you can throw on them to some degree, but with holding them back, I think Joe Burrow is going to be under duress this game, which is going to hold their ceilings in check to some degree. And Burrow, somebody is a must bench for me this week heading against Pittsburgh. See, for me, it t- totally depends on TJ Watt plays or not. If Watt plays, and he, then I think this is everything I agree with 100% everything you just said. If he doesn't play, this defense is completely different because they're not great against the run like they have been as great against the run against they have been in the past. And they have been struggling a little bit in their corner position. If they're not getting a rush, you can attack this team. So I am really interested to see. He's, to me, the key. If he plays everything you said, I agree with. If he doesn't play, then I'm not really fearful playing anybody versus, from Cincinnati versus Pittsburgh this week. Uh, the line on this game says everything you need to know about how crazy this game is with the injuries and the circumstances surrounding it. Pittsburgh's only favored by three points against Cincinnati at home. That tells you all you need to know about what the books are saying, that this game could go either way because there's just a lot of questions up in the air. We probably won't get any clarity until Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Make sure you're following us on social media at Show. We'll keep you up to date. And again, these rankings may change depending on who's available to you. Uh, that's my long-winded way of saying I'm not betting this game. How about you? Yeah, I'm with you. I think I think that Bears game, Bengals game kind of scared me a little bit. Where, what you're going to see is the Bengals moving forward, and I can see this game being very similar where it's going to be a back and forth. Whoever kind of screws up less wins. I'll tell you a game that should have – it could be a sneaky shootout game. Arizona and Jacksonville, the last game we're going to talk about for today. 
I have Kyler Murray at QB three. He's been phenomenal. You love the match against Jacksonville. The only reason I have him at three is because they have Patrick Mahomes in what should be a shootout game against Chargers at one. And I have Russell Wilson, who I'll talk about tomorrow, who should be in a shootout game with Minnesota. So those two guys are more situations where they might go back and forth. Maybe Jacksonville can go back and forth enough offensively to keep Arizona on the on the pedal in the metal, but <laughs> maybe not. So Kyler Murray still coming to QB three for me though. You love the match, of course you're going to play him. Just you know that's why he's not my number one in case anybody goes crazy on me. Chase Edmonds comes in at RB sixteen, another one of my must starts of the week at the running back position. Dude, he's going to go off soon. He you could see it. He's explosive. He's he's just one like half a step away from breaking one. I think this is probably the game he gets the opportunity to do so. He's so much more better than James Conner. You love the role that he's playing. Of course, you're playing Hopkins. He comes at wide receiver eight for me. And I think you can play Christian Kirk and Rondale Moore as wide receiver threes with boom potential in this game. Both could go for long touchdowns. And hopefully, A.J. Green continues to see his snap count decrease because he's he's got to go. That's where I'm at on Arizona. Where are you? I agree with all those points. I think the big thing for Chase is, will he actually get more touches just because there have been such many, so many big plays on the Arizona side? Yeah. It's kind of limited his opportunity to be involved. And then like you talked about this in the slot position, Rondell Moore has a fantastic blow-up spot. One thing Jacksonville has been horrendous against is the slot uh, receivers, and it's something you definitely one thing? Well, <laughs> well, one of the biggest things, I should say, <laughs> that they've been just horrendous against is teams that can attack their, their corners. Their slot corners is just awful. So that's somewhere you definitely can just attack them all day, every day, as we're trying to have a good game. So again, and like I think you said, Hopkins is a clear must-start, of course. But I do have Trevor Lawrence as my sleeper streaming quarterback on the week. Now, I have him at QB 16, but I think he has a much higher ceiling than that. I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes a top 12 quarterback because I expect the volume to be there. And unlike last week when they played the Denver Broncos, this is an Arizona secondary you could take advantage of with a Marvin Jones and a DJ Chark and a healthy LaVisca Chanel because he's expected to be back as well. So I think volume here and the matchup, Trevor Lawrence, QB 16, I think he has higher potential. I think you very much can stream him. James Robinson coming in at RB21. I think he has a safe floor this week because he's been the main pass catching down back. Jacksonville will definitely have to put up points or from the get. I mean, they're going to have to come out and shotgun throwing the ball around from the get-go. So I think Robinson has a safe floor in this game. That's why he comes in at RB21 for me. I think he'll get the targets. DJ Chark, wide receiver 32. Marvin Jones, wide receiver 24. LaVisca Chanel is more of a wide receiver four because he's just not catching the ball past the line of scrimmage right now. But those two guys getting targeted down the field. Marvin Jones is on a two-game touchdown streak. No reason in my mind to think that I can't continue this week. So Jacksonville, a lot of fantasy value to be had in my mind there too. Yeah, so I 100% disagree with you. On the BFL show on Tuesday nights, I talked about one of the teams that I think was most clearly disappointing, especially for people who thought they were in a lot of points on the fantasy-wise, is the Jags. I think this offense is putrid. I think that they have no creativity. Trevor Lawrence isn't running the ball, so I think the floor people expected to have isn't really there either. And I think this is going to be a game where Chandler Jones could possibly have five sacks again. I think it's going to, they're going to live in the backfield in this team. I think their offensive line is horrendous. I can see Robinson being involved because I think you can see them falling behind and checking the ball down to him. The receivers, the only guy I trust in receivers right now is Marvin Jones. DJ Shark went from basically having one of the bigger games, but very inefficient that first game, to being absolutely a non-factor last week. So I think to me, the only guy I trust on this offense is Marvin. Not a factor against Denver. Like context here. Come on. Their corners haven't been that great though. Callahan's the best corner on Denver where you you can attack the outside corners. And then they haven't been Who haven't they been great against? The Giants actually had decent numbers on the outside. Shepard I mean had decent numbers. Shepard had a good game. 
Slayton had a decent game too. Slayton didn't do anything that game. You're thinking of week two. Slayton scored a touchdown that first game. Slayton scored a touchdown last week against Washington. He didn't score. And he a had seven eight targets. Uh, I think I'm right. We'll see. Um, I don't have it in front of me right now to look up for sure, but I know well, that just, I, just 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 to move forward here. I don't disagree with your points on there's a wide range when it comes to Jacksonville because Urban Meyer is being established as a moron. So that part can't disagree. Could this be the Tennessee game where Arizona where Chandler Jones has five sacks by himself and blows the whole thing up? Yeah, that's also in the cards. I believe in the talent of these skill position players against this secondary. I think it's going to be closer to what we saw against Houston from a fantasy perspective where all these guys were very much involved and fantasy assets with the exception of James Robinson, who I think will be better in this game. But I don't disagree with where you're coming from either because that is the high boom or bust floor you're talking about with all of Jacksonville right now. I want to get into a quick rapid-fire mailbag segment right here. The mail's here. First up, Chris, Obi. Should I trade Robert Woods for Jamar Chase and Tony Pollard? Let's assume it's a half-point 12-man league. So I went back and forth on this one, and at first I originally wanted to say no, but I think if you're looking for some depth, I think it's a good move because I think you have an option who's going to be Chase's got some upside for you. You have a nice flex option in the running back, so I would say yes. Uh, I would... That's tough for me because I, I love Robert Woods, and I think he's got a lot of better days to come ahead. Uh, but I think the fact that you're getting Tony Pollard to go along with it, who might be turning into a flex option along with being a top handcuff, I probably lean towards yes as well. Uh, Oscar, he has better pickup t- to back up Tannehill, Daniel Jones, or Teddy Bridgewater. Oscar, I put this question in to make this point. Why bother? You have Tannehill. You have a top 12 quarterback. I'm not wasting more roster spots on quarterbacks who are going to be one-off streamers depending on their matchup anyway. You can get these guys every single week off the waiver wire. Why bother backing him up in a one-quarterback league? So that's my actual answer to Oscar. What's yours, Chris? Yeah. First of all, I want to apologize. You're right about the slate, and he didn't have a touchdown. Um, but I do, I, I'm do. i with you. I wouldn't want to really necessarily want either one of these guys. If I were to have to pick, I would pick Bridgewater because he has a safer upside and more weapons. Uh, Ward, rest of season standard league scoring, Corey Davis, Rondale Moore, or Michael Pittman? Remember, standard league scoring. Yeah, this is a really tough one for me. Um, it's going to totally depend on Carson Wentz in my book. If Carson Wentz is going to be out for a extended period of time, then I go Rondell Moore. If he's going to be back sooner than you mean later, Michael Pittman. Uh, uh, no, I said Carson Wentz. Yeah, I was saying if Carson Wentz isn't back. Oh, if he isn't back. For, I'm yeah. sorry, you're right. Okay. Yeah, if Carson Wentz isn't back anytime sooner, or is out for a little bit of a period of time, I would go Rondell Moore. If Carson Wentz is going to be back sooner than later, then I would go Pittman. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I, they're all matchup dependent in my mind. I think I would lean Corey Davis in a standard league. I think he still has the most touchdown upside, which is what I'm looking for in standard leagues. But they're all around the same category for me. I think Rondell Moore still has the highest ceiling. Tanner, he asked Brandon Cooks or Debo Samuel in PPR this week. I have Debo Samuel ranked well ahead of Brandon Cooks in this matchup with Davis Mills, the starting quarterback. How about you? Yeah, I have to agree with that. I mean, I think that you have some concerns with Jay Alexander be taking Samuel away, but they move him around enough. And with Brandon Cooks having Davis Mills as a quarterback, I don't trust anything going on in Houston. Presto, bingo. That's going to do it for the show today, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. We're going to be back tomorrow. We're going back across the Atlantic again to bring in a guest for you guys. Richard King is going to be joining the show from King's Fantasy Sports tomorrow at 11 a.m., the 12.30 p.m. at Belly Up MDFF show on social media and on the YouTube channel, the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Subscribe, 
Catch us on your favorite pod streaming app. And tonight from 6 to 7.30 on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime.pro. I'm Dan Mater here with Chris Dowhauer. Good luck tonight, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.